Welcome to Politics Done Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Good morning, Houston. Good morning, Houston. How are my peeps doing this morning? If you're getting up in the morning and driving, let's make it. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Your best day. You know, there's this guy on the chat every single afternoon when we do our evening show that says today is going to be the greatest day ever and he makes it his greatest day ever make it a great day for whom for you and those who are in contact with you you know it's a lot easier to smile it is that it's so much easier to be nice to someone it is so much easier to see the good in everybody else. Anyway, we are going to have a great show for you today. But before we go to the show, you know, I like to tell the control room. Good morning, control room. Good morning, Howard. Good morning, Dr. Van Beber. How are you guys doing this morning? Well, it looks like the doctor is in. Good morning, Egberto. And now for well, you, doctor. I don't know where I got the doctor moniker. You know, I'm just kind of a kind of a just a weirdo, I guess, but no, 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 you are, no, you are doctor, feel good, doctor, say right. Dr. What's weird. the word of the morning today, sir? Keep Jack weird. The, the word of the day is the poor are the conscience of America. We are not listening to our conscience anymore. The corporation has no conscience. Well, how do you know that? Did you kill a corporation and give it an uh, autopsy? <laughs> no, but I can pretty much tell by the way they're acting out there. And there you go, Jack. The predatory nature of everything. And that's why, you know, the poor are the ones that get left out in the cold. Tell me about it, so, man. It's freezing out here. So. <laughs> hey, it's good you, to be you, poor. Oh, hey. Lord. hey, we're going to turn it back over to somebody that makes some sense. Well, hey, you know, Jack, I, I, I believe it or not, man, that I like what Jack had to say. But I like when you queried Jack, you said, Jack, how do you know that? And in effect, he said, by inference, I don't know what they're thinking, but I can see what they're doing. Anyhow, we are going to have a great show today. The title is Wall Street wants to for wants you to forget your kids Newsom calls Hannity and Obama schools Scott and more. Wall Street wants you to give them your money, not your not to your kids. They want your money. And of course, Gavin Newsom. Uh, I continue to do some snippets of Gavin Newsom's interview with uh, Hannity. I thought, or not, I thought. I think, in uh, as much as I'm not a Gavin Newsom fan, I think he shows how one should deal with folks trying to set a false narrative and he did such a good job i think people could learn from it and one of the beginnings that one, one of the most important parts about that is saying i am prepared in other words if i'm going to an interview you don't look like how trump looked last night with uh with beer on on a uh, fox news you are prepared and that's what Gavin Newsom was for that interview with Sean Hannity. 
And I think that's how he always is with his interviews. He makes sure and he goes to the interview prepared. And of course, Scott, you know, Scott, uh, Tim Scott, uh, senator from South Carolina, he wants to tell a, a, a section of America that everything is okay. You know, we, there are no real prejudices in this country. Uh, all you have to do is pick yourself up by the bootstraps and it'll be all right. Look at me. I'm this poor black kid from South Carolina and I made it. Everybody else can too. I mean, I, I, I want to fuse that with, uh, you know, my three words, Appalachia, the ghettos and the barrios. I want to fuse that. If we get to it, um, you know how it goes. Telephone number to get to us, 713-526-5738. Today, I don't have any long videos to play, a few short snippets. So therefore, uh, you won't have to wait a long time to get on here like Johnny did yesterday. 713-526-5738. Remember, there are many ways for you to get to us. Tune in on the dial at 90.1 FM. You can also go to... Uh, download the TuneIn app from the Android or Apple Store and check us out. Just search for KPFT and you can stream us on your phone via the uh, TuneIn app. You can also go to our website, kpft.org. You want to go to our website anyway. That's a way that you can say, you know, we're going to make sure to keep this station up by, you know, throwing a few dollars, extra dollars, like a few coffees, or so, go to kpft.org and keep us viable. Like, you know, we're a necessary and necessary resource here in the area. You can also watch us. Yes, you can watch the program at facebook.com slash kpfthouston. Facebook.com slash kpfthouston. And of course, the, you can always watch us on YouTube live politicsdoneright.tv politicsdoneright.tv so how wherever however you are you can get to our good newscast our good commentary or eclectic music and just listening to the voice of Howard and Jack in the mornings as well all these different forms to do that 713-526-5738 all right the first subject that I want to talk about uh, is how our economic system destroys our family one investment dollar at a time. An article, oh, I have a typo in the newsletter. And by the way, folks, I'm sorry that the newsletter went out late today. I programmed it incorrectly. I, I told it 540 instead of 5 o'clock, but it did go out at 5 40 on the dots. Most of the time, it's not computers making mistakes. It's those who are running the computers who made the mistake. And I made that mistake this more earlier this morning when I posted that. Anyhow, anyhow, an article appeared in my feed. I saw the same article pushed in several publications titled, We Are Setting Them Up for Failure. Boomers supporting their Gen Z and young millennial children are having their retirement ruined and savings rated, which really upset me. Maybe it upset me because um, it is something that I've had to do, but with pleasure. Uh, maybe it is something that I had to do because we believe 
in this particular family unit that that is what it is, a family unit. And the family unit can be insular, grow, depending on what size it needs to be, etc. But I'm going to go there in a little bit. Not many see the implications of the article, but the article's sentiment and advice are anti-family. The instantiation uh, of the capitalist doctrine. We will cover this. And first of all, before I get started, I want those parents that are listening now who have followed their stockbrokers, who have, fo- who have followed the advice of their stockbrokers, who have followed the advice of their money managers, who have followed the general advice in the tenants out there. This is not a guilt trip at all. Because what we have as a society has always been an indoctrination. And that's not America only. That's all over the world. Every society is an indoctrinative state. Uh, that's, just li- that's just how we are. To some extent, my parents indoctrinated me. My, I probably indoctrinated my daughter because that is, that, you know, indoctrination just means there's a certain set of values that don't necessarily have any scientific way of why it should be that way, but that's just how the culture develops. And in America, we have, a cult, we have an individualistic culture. We have a culture that says more about yourself. You care about you. If you take a look at our gun debate, our gun debate is there because I want the ability to have a gun. I want the ability to do as I please. I, 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 right? You look at uh, 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 Ayn Rand. It's about not, not caring about the collective, not caring about all of us all. It's about me, me, me. Even Ayn Rand, that woman who believes solely in, in, in selfishness, even when she was on her deathbed, she depended on us all, social security. So th- there's nothing called I, I, I in reality, right? We're all codependent. It's hard to accept many a times that I need you. All of us needs each other. And when we realize that we need each other and we believe in that concept, it's amazing how much better life is because no longer are we just trying to hoard for ourselves. But we haven't. We haven't gone through that yet. Right now, we're still, because again of our indoctrination, and that's why I'm saying what I'm going to say here, please, if you have, uh, if that is the path that you've taken, remember, we understand that is how we've been reared. That is how we've been indoctrinated and just about all these things that we do. Anyhow, um, I want to start out with the article before I get into my soapbox, the article starts out, everyone wants the best for their kids. That's true. Most people are good people. Whenever it's happiness, health, or wealth, parents and guardians want their kids to have an abundance of each. But at what cost to their own livelihoods? That is that, that sentence immediately got to me, at what cost? Everything has a cost. We understand that. But to then say that, all right, I want good for my kids. But when you say at what cost, that all automatically gives you the feel like, well, 
uh, you know, I want things good for my kids as long as it's good for me first. But, you know, if it's not going to be good for me, well, to hell with my kids. I mean, the sentence doesn't say that. But the implication from it thereafter, when you look at it in a different context, get what I'm saying here. Courtesy of skyrocketing rent prices, soaring inflation, student debt, and turbulent post-pandemic job market, parents of Gen Z in particular may have to support their children more than previous generations. A recent survey from Bankrate found that 68% of parents are either supporting or have supported their adult children in the past, saying as a result, they delayed their own financial milestones, retirement, paying off their own student debt, even had to take cash out of emergency savings to do what? To help or take care of their kids. And to this article's writer, who generally, uh, you, you take a look at where these articles are printed. It's generally in some sort of a financial magazine, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And my thing is like, yeah, uh, increase rents, increase. All these prices are higher now that we are, those who are baby boomers and Gen Xs, we never had the kind of prices to go to school and all of that that our kids have right now. When I came to the United States, I paid the highest tuition rates than anyone else because I was a foreigner my first year and I paid $40 a semester hour. When, uh, when I became a Texas resident and I got my green card and I started on the path to, to become a U.S. citizen, I became an in-state tuition in Texas, and it went from $40 an hour to $4 an hour. When it was time for my daughter to go to UT, same university, her cost in real dollars was higher than my cost as a foreign student going to the University of Texas. What am I saying here? Uh, to equate what boomers and Gen Xers went through financially with what Gen Zs and millennials are going through, the kind of costs that they have relative to the kind of costs we had, it's a lot higher. And I want to put a little mea culpa on it on our generation. We are the ones who elected those people that believed in this supply side type economics that made, that created that wealth gap that put many of us in the situation, that put many of our kids in the situation that they are in today. So there is some mia culpa to go around why things are so expensive for them, why school costs so much for them. We are partly responsible because of those that we chose to elect, right? And yes, it may have given some of us a tax cut and a, and a little bit better. Me, 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 I, I, I. It may have given some of us a better, a, a, a marginally better life at the expense of our kids. So now that our kids need more help than we did, these consultants want you to feel guilty. And by the way, remember I said most Americans are good people? Look at what this article is saying. This article is saying 68% or so of parents are putting their retirement on hold or taking money out of their funds to help their kids. Again, most people are good. 
and that has a material effect on the stock broker. That has a material effect on the stock market. That has a material effect on that money manager who wants to hoard your money to keep moving up, right? If a lot of parents are starting to help their kids or it becomes vogue for you to go ahead and help your kids more so than they want you to help them because that is money that you're not investing in their domain, that becomes problematic for them, right? Because all they make their money from is using your money, you know, making money off of money. And if you're using your money to not give your kid, I don't look at the monies that I give my kid as just a wasted piece of dollar. It's an investment not only in my kid's future, not only in my kid's growing up well-being, even as it cause as it I have to do it more so than they did with me because of so the society we live in. It's an investment in family. And you know what? Uh, in people have a tendency to believe that somehow not it, uh, investing in you and you doing well and necessarily not helping those in the family that needs help that somehow then in your later years, oh, it's going to be okay because you have more money in your retirement because you have more money of your own. But you know what that leads to? A society where as you grow old, you're thrown into a nursing home and not with the love of family, you know, uh, taking care of you because no, it's all antiseptic. You saved a lot of money and you even saved enough to be in a nursing home. Most don't. Most can't. But I mean, for those who can't, that's what the stockbroker is telling you. You know, put your money away. Give your money to that insurance company who can get you in a nursing home because they've used your money and now they're going to give some of it back to you to be in a nursing home. Whatever happened to family? Well, we never nurtured family. The economic system isn't designed to say, let's do the things that nurture family, that keeps, that makes families feel responsible for each other. Not only in youth, but in elder, uh, but when you get old, you wonder why today nursing homes are the big thing. And in the in the traditional American family, why is it that after one gets old and needs a little bit of help other than, yes, both host households are working. They folks throw their parents into a into a nursing home, etc. There uh, without any feeling of I wish I could from some. It's the system that is keeping the families apart. A, a, a while back, somebody once said that, um, you know, our welfare system uh, destroys the family. And in a lot of ways, they were right. I mean, uh, w w uh, the people on welfare, they used to keep, they, they, they wanted you, the father to be out of the house because if the father is in the house, there's, less, there's more money that's gotten. All these kinds of structures were created that, you know, that that did this and all of it was because of how much money one was willing to give under what circumstances we wanted to give the least possible. So what am I saying here? What am I trying to get across here? And I'm going to get a little bit more of the article, then I'll, I'll, I'll stay that. A recent survey 
from Bankrate found that 68% of parents are either supporting or have supported their adult in the past, adult children in the past, saying as a result, they delayed their own financial milestone. And I lo- believe in our, they look at that statement as a problem. I look at that statement as, as saying above and beyond the pressures from the, the, the Wall Street folks telling you don't, don't be giving those spoiled brats any money. You go ahead and throw it into your savings account. Look, I'm not saying to be irresponsible or to create irresponsible kids. But, I'm, but what I'm saying is whenever you hear the statement about giving money uh, first to the stockbroker before you help your kids or before you invest in your kids, I find it problematic. Now Gen Z and millennials say on average they shouldn't have to start pay off, paying off their bills until they're 22. Okay, uh, most of us don't ever pay off our bills till we are 60-something. You doubt it? Take a look at the numbers. The data found millennials think that, I'm not going to read that part about the data, think of what millennials, because it was clear that the author of this piece, however, had a severe bias against Gen Z and millennials. And I don't even consider it a bias other than it is something to make Parents who decided to help their kids feel guilty because they want you to stop. They want your money. They want you invested in your retirement. And look, investing in your retirement, all these things are important. (laughs) That said, large, most Americans right now can't even do that given our current economic state, uh, our permanent economic state, that is. Uh, then they want to give you illustrative examples now, right? Welcome aboard Eric Hayes to the program. They want to give you illustrative examples. So they have a subtitle in the article that says, helping my kids so much was a huge mistake. You know, the way these, I don't know if you remember yesterday, I play or two days ago, or I think it was on the Friday show. I said, uh, my wife was watching a program on TV where it says that, Electric cars are heavier, and because electric cars are heavier, the wrecks are going to be more substantial with the electric cars. Uh, there's this just out of the blue story comes out. The networks pick it up, and suddenly they put in the mind of people that somehow electric cars were dangerous, right? And I, after my wife kind of looked at me with concern, I said, hey, don't listen to that. The reality is uh, they're saying electric cars are heavier, so the, the wrecks could be more substantial. True, mass, and, and, you know, the mass, the larger mass, that's what it gives to you. But you know what? Did they tell you that um, by not burning gas, there, there's less benzene in the air, et cetera, which for all those people who would have gotten cancer, which is quite a few of them, not just the people in a wreck, that burning fuel in fossil cars and taking that car off the market saves more lives than that. Did they tell you that? Oh, no, I never thought about it that way. The same with this article. This article subliminally is teaching us something. When certain articles come out, we have to know the sources. We have to see where they come out and we have to understand why they are written. And when you see articles like this that are trying to promote, like I mentioned in the beginning of this program, a certain indoctrinative state, a way of controlling your mind in a certain way, they're trying to tell you how you must behave, what you must do. They want to change your modal. When you look at the insular family who originated from certain countries, let's say China or other countries, 
a, a Chinese family comes over here and that insular unit, I'm not talking about an Americanized Chinese family, but a Chinese family that comes over. Uh, and, and, and by the way, it's not only here in the United States. I'm from Panama, Central America. And when they migrate to Panama, the culture within that culture, they start, uh, they start a little store by going to different family members and they're putting their monies together. They're not going to Wall Street or a banker that is that. And I'm not I have nothing against a banker or Wall Street. Well, Wall Street, I do have a lot against, but a banker that is doing, uh, you know, as the last resort. Right. But. They build their businesses from families in Panama and Colón, where I'm from. You'd see a company come, a, a, a little store that sells a slice of bread, a piece of cheese, all these kinds of things for the worker who's just going off to breakfast. And they start that store little from a little bit of money is from their, the family members and the kids get a little bit of money to go do this. And then slowly it, they build upon what the families together put together. And that culture. That culture is anathema to what we have in a lot of ways. Why? Because we don't want that. We don't want it to be that you raising money from the families around to, to build things because you cut out those, that small number of people who want to make money off of your money, right? If if people start doing that and we start having a collective society where a group of friends get together and say, hey, you know what? Let's build this sort of stuff together. Hey, John is really good at that and he has this great idea. We are going to invest in John. Hey, you've just cut out the banking. that You've just cut out that capitalist system that wants to use you as a piece of capital to generate a little bit of income for somebody else. That family that used to get together and say, you know what? Hey, Auntie, brother, sister, uh, let, let's have this deal. All of us put X amount of dollars in a pie and work together. Or to put it more, no more local, invest in your kid who later on succeeds, who later on know that they have a family that's backing them and gives them that much more self-worth, give them that much more uh, a feeling that they have a backing. And then when you get old, when you get old, because it's the unit, you know, you're not worried about, ah, you're going to be thrown in a, in a nursing home with no relationship to those kids. You know, my, my, uh, my, my, my wife and I are watching uh, a newscast one time several years ago. And there's this woman uh, who, uh, you know, her house was in disrepair. She lived alone. The heat was gone, all of that. And the newscaster said, you know, and it's interesting, her daughter is a doctor, her uh, son is an engineer, and all of that they were talking about. And, you know, this woman is living like this, right? And my wife was like, look how lousy those kids are. And, you know, initially I said, yeah, that's, you know, how do you let your mother, your parent or any family member live that way when uh, you're in this particular situation, right? And then I thought for a minute and I said, you know, people in general, people are good and people are, people are general reciprocative, you know? There must be something there. And when you see stories like this one that I'm reading that seems so benevolent, but what it teaches you is to take care of you first, right? So that, do that, that kid that's a doctor now is thinking of 
taking care of themselves first. That kid that's an engineer is probably thinking about taking, the, taking care of themselves first, right? Uh, it, it, it is not, not of second nature because that parent that now needs probably took care of themselves first. I'm not saying I know that for a fact, but I'm saying knowing the goodness in people in, in, in the aggregate, you can see how that indoctrination of taking care of self first can be extrapolated. So I wanted to start off with this story because in effect, I'm saying let's not let externalities, let not, let's not let a financial system, let's not let articles like this give you a second. And, and if you are out there helping your kids because they're having a hard time, if you're out there helping your kids because you know, they, they, they want to finish school and the, the, it's so expensive now. And you decided to go into your 401k. You decided to go into your retirement. This article wants you to feel guilty about it. Don't take your money away from the stock brokers. We need your money to make money. Uh, do not feel bad or a, a, a bad feeling for doing what is the right thing to do. You may not have a million dollars when you retire but you'll have the love of your kid. You will have a kid that you've invested in. You'd have the things that matter. And you know what matters? Human relationships more than any piece of dollar matters. It does matter. So um, I'm going to get to the next subject, but beforehand, I'd like to open the, the phones for a call. 713-526-5738, extension number two. I would love to hear your opinions. Am I full of it? Um, am I, do you think I'm just simply wrong in, the, in my thought process? I'd love to hear your ideas. I'd love to hear what you think. 713-526-5738. And, and I'd like uh, right now for Jack and, and, and Howard to get their thoughts together to tell me if I am just full of it. 713-526-5738. Brother Howard. Well, there's a little bit of that full of it business going on, but uh, we expect that. No, you're you're uh, you're right on here. We do have to be concerned about the American me first thing because it's getting us nowhere. So, and now Jack will uh, Jack will chime in. Yeah, uh, you know, the other day we uh, I kind of posed a little question: is uh, you know materialism uh, co opting the people's effort in, you know, watching, watching the political process, because, you know, every time I, when I talk to somebody, you know, the apathy is what I end up getting. And, right. uh, you know, it's, uh, that's the way it's always been. That's the way it's always be. And, you know, if you believe in that, then that's the way it will always be. But if you believe well, that people can stand up and change things, then there's a possibility for change. I think they can. I think we can change things by getting out and voting. You know, you know, I don't want to get on my soapbox again this morning. By the way, but, the phones are up ringing. But yeah, yeah go ahead, uh, Howard. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead and get the phones, Jack. I think Johnny's calling in because Johnny always calls in. Um, Egberto, we, if you, if you watch television, Yes. I do. I watch television a great deal. I came from television. I worked in television for years and years and years. 
And it is really all about, you know, we want to sell you this product. We want to make a funny commercial. We want to sell you this product. We want to make a serious commercial. Uh, it's just all about sales. It's all about, you know, materialism. And I, I must admit that I like my stuff too. So I'm part of that same problem or part of that same generation that we grew up in. We didn't have the depression where my folks did or my grandparents did where those are the most frugal people I've ever met. You know, right. they, they recycled everything. Um, my grandmother, if she opened up a can of beans, that can was used several times for several other things because they did have that depression. And honestly, poverty will teach you a whole lot of how to survive. Yes, and if you got will. an entire impoverished uh, population, they're going to find a way to survive. So now we're going to go to our phone. Oh, we have yeah, David for uh, you. Come on in, David. David, you're on. Okay. Hey, Egberto, you were saying this thing about electric cars and uh, the statement about the batteries in electric cars, which I think is a bunch of hype. Well, let me tell you something else that I saw on one of my phone blogs. The uh, In Texas, the, the Republicans in Texas are trying to create a disincentive against people buying electric cars. And here's what they're doing. It's like when you register your gas guzzling vehicle to, uh, you pay, you, uh, you pay the registration fee, but you pay, uh, when you buy gas, you're paying something. And this was the statement, the, the statistic that they gave on the blog. They say it costs you. If you, if you drive an average, what average person in Texas drives, it costs you about $80 a year to pay for the gas tax, which goes into highways and all that stuff. Well, here's yes. what's happening in Texas with people drive people who drive electric cars. When they go to re-register their vehicles, Texas is charging them anywhere from two to $400 extra, which the state of Texas is saying, well, you're not paying a gas tax, so we're going to charge you this money in compensation for the fact that you're not paying the gas tax. But this is and the what, point. From, let's go ahead. Yeah, what you're saying is correct. And, and that thing about, I, I think it is fair for the electric cars uh, to pay some amount of money into the funds given that they're using the streets as well. So I can understand that. But when you try to gouge it, like you just stated, the average person pays $80 in gas taxes, uh, 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 in gas taxes to use the roads. Uh, they should probably, you know, be billed that amount. But I, I think it should be, I tell you what my thoughts really are, right? I don't really think we should have all this delineation the way we do taxes, David, because it is too imperfect. I think we should all pay taxes in a pile, a progressive tax, which means we pay taxes based on how much we make. And people may say, well, that would mean the person who makes a lot is going to pay a lot more than the, the, uh, the person who does not, which is okay. The person who makes a lot, this economy belongs to us all. And an economy that belongs to us all afforded that person to make more. 
and therefore they should put more in back in. There's nothing immoral about the rich person paying a ton more than the person, because again, a teacher I think is more valuable than a stockbroker. A stockbroker makes millions, a teacher makes uh, a few tens of thousands. Uh, no, that stockbroker should be paying a much higher rate of their monies. But but my, my point is this. It is too imperfect for me to have the, 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 the tax. It's how we have a gas tax and all of that. I think that is silly. We should get rid of the gasoline tax and just have the taxes. We tax the population for the, based on the amount of resources that population vote that they want. They want good roads. We will have our taxes commensurate with having good roads. We want good health care. We'll have our taxes commensurate with having good health care. One big pot. One big pot to have a working society. Go ahead, David. I, can I give, I'll give you an example of the hypocrisy. What I call these the, the, the Republican Christian nationalists. There's a scripture in the Bible that goes something like this: "To whom much is given, to that to to whom much is given, much will be required." Yes. Now, if you consider that that scripture in respect to billionaires and Mike Pence when he when he uh, threw his hand into the ring for president, he quoted that scripture. And I'm aware of the fact, you know, I I don't I didn't need him to quote it for me to for me to be aware of it because I've been aware of it for for long, for a long time now. But anyway, if you take that scripture at at its at, at its basic fundamental meaning, that means that for the billionaires and the multi billionaires out there, to whom much is given, much will be required. But guess what? Wow, the opposite, David. David, first of all, let me tell you, you nailed it. That that is the that is the that is the tenet that every progressive should use against a, a right winger for why progressive taxation is very important. You're a good man. Thank you, David. Anything else well, you want to I'll add to that, sir? I'll tell you what they'll do with that. They'll throw it back in your face and say, "Well, you're misinterpreting it." This is what they do every time you point. <laughs> I've, had, I've been there and I've done that, and I've got so sick and tired of hearing them. But the point is, you can't communicate with these people because they're always right. Well, so, you know, you know, you know what? Uh, let me tell you something, uh, David. What we do is we keep. Uh, you know, there are always new people listening. And there are always new people with open minds, and that is what we work on, brother. Anything else before we go to the next subject, my brother? Well, I was. This has been on my mind for some time, and I know you. You talk about trying to find the, the things that we have in common, and I. Yes. You know, I, have, I I credit you for that, but the problem that I have is that in your in your in your position, do you consider the differences? Because here's what I'm saying. And let's say I have a difference with you. Now, we have things in common, probably a lot more than many Republicans and, and you have in common. But there are right. differences. I don't know. You feel my position in respect to religion, for instance. Now, if I told you to, to my, my opinion that, that I suspect that this guy named Jesus never existed, you might look at me and say, how could you say that? What is your proof? Well, I have certain uh, bits and pieces of information. I've been studying the Bible now for for close to over 50 years. And I, there's the word that I like to use for a lot of people in respect to this stuff. You know what a dilettante is? Yes. Well, 
If you, if, if the only, a lot of Christians, the only time they ever read the Bible or hear about it is when they go to church and they listen to the preacher preaching a sermon and he might say, open your Bibles to this and he'll preach, a, he'll read a scripture and he'll preach a sermon on it. Or, or you know what else, what else they'll do? They have these things called study guides. And you know what the study guides are designed to do, Egberto? They are designed to, to, to direct you away from things that are, that are, that are uh, historically and and contradictorily problematic, so that you don't ever find them. It took me how, how long? I've been studying the Bible for how many years until I found the scripture in, in the book of John, the, the, the scriptures where John twenty one chapters. He never says it uh, one lousy peep about the uh, about the existence of what Matthew, Mark, and Luke talk about that Jesus after he was after hey. he was. I read you. Hey, David, David, I read you. um, By by the way, uh, when you speak about if we have differences or whatever, we all have differences among each other, including religion, etc. What I learned as I as I grew is that I don't make any of those things. uh, Let me lose the faith in humanity or my faith in other people, right? I, I, I try to, uh, uh, and when you when I talk about trying to figure out what's common among us, between us, it's because when we first realize that we have things that are common between us, we can then either work out the differences or accept the differences because we already have acknowledged that most humans, right? have so much in common. But David, I want to uh, get a couple of other things in here uh, and uh, uh, the other topics that, that I have to cover. I've been leaving a lot of this stranded over the last few days. So uh, give me a quick closer and let me get to the next subject. Well, Mr. Abito, I'm just hoping that, that the differences don't surface in a way that the, uh, the, the Supreme Court is trying to gut the establishment clause, the, the lemon test. Right. They're trying to replace it with this thing called the Marsh test. And here's what yes. happens now. The Marsh David, test- David, I want to move on, David. Brother, I, I appreciate you. Keep calling. Keep listening. Call and tell me some more tomorrow. We don't, we don't have to get it in, all in. And I only got an hour, bro. <laughs> okay, go ahead. We'll see you then, Mr. Little. Thank you so kindly for calling in, sir. All right? Okay. All right, folks, uh, that was Brother David. Uh, he has, look, he has a lot. David has a lot of information. And, you know, uh, we want to get to this particular subject. You know, Gavin Newsom. Gavin Newsom, well, let me just go ahead and play the video. I can actually go ahead and just start the video, and it'll say it all right this minute. I continue to admire how uh, Gavin Newsom take, took care of Hannity. If you take a look at Hannity continues to try to have Gavin Newsom play on his turf. But what Gavin Newsom did is because he had the numbers at the tip of his tongue, because he was well prepared for the interview, he was able to keep uh, Hannity on his heels. I want you to watch this. And this should be a Perfect, a perfect way for Democrats, for progressives, whenever they go into the lion's dens. Check this out. We'll take it on the other side. We wanted to show you this exchange that 
really has everyone talking. It's between California Governor Gavin Newsom and Sean Hannity of Fox News last week. Now, the host made claims that Democratic economic policies are causing businesses to leave blue states. Well, that debate and Newsom's public comments regarding Florida Governor Ron DeSantis are leading to renewed speculation over the California governor's White House ambitions. Take a listen. I'm a small business person. I've started th- 21 companies, 1,000 employees. You're a great businessman. No, but it's like it, this is I in my your DNA. I'm passionate about that. So California never held me back. It gave me every opportunity in the world. Right. All these folks, Elon Musk, Tesla exists because of California's regulatory framework. Why are they moving the headquarters out of here? You know why? They moved their R&D headquarters back. To save money. They moved their R&D world headquarters back just three weeks ago. Why did they do that? The list is a mile long. You can pick out one company. Because there's no state doing more in R&D than California. That's the answer. These companies are leaving for one reason. These companies are starting for another reason. They're moving to increase. Increase their profits and save because, money because you tax too much. Because we created the conditions where they flourished. And then they get to a point of maturity and they get a point of becoming multinational companies. And they leave. Why? And they move their headquarters. Because why? some find greener pastures or are looking for defensive postures as it relates to economic they risk. They try, but there's thousands. We have 47 percent increase in business startups this year compared to last year. Would you not acknowledge one of the, acknowledge one of the, the seeds that are planted every single year? Not. Are, it's a it's almost a point of success. We birth these folks, they move out of the house, and thousands more okay, birth so every single year. year. So they build their companies here, and now all of a sudden they're paying that high tax bill. They were so they move their headquarters that. away. No, jeez. I mean, with by the way, do you support you, the idea? This is the honest way to be the fourth largest economy in the world. What are you arguing for? Mississippi's economic policy? Is that I mean literally that's if what you're, you're asking, asking me? For. If I wanted great, if I wanted Rex, the tax, Kansas policy, I mean, it was a debacle. No economic is, growth. 71% of the GDP in America are blue counties. I would say 71% there. of the GDP well, in America are blue counties. Centers. Progressive policies. Okay, that are paying high taxes. And 71% of the country's wealth. Seven of the top 10 dependent states. Let's say you're right. States. Let's say you No, been. we're subsidizing your states, Let's. Sean. <laughs> I mean, that's it. Was so much more to this? Well, yeah. well, well. no, it, it, it was. But you know, the the argument that Sean was making is an argument that conservatives would make. I mean, I think taxes are too high in California. I think they're too high in New York. I think they're too high in Illinois. I know a lot of people that want to move out of those states. <laughs> At the same time, you don't get a level of services if you move out of those states. And the the numbers, you just can't debate the numbers. Was that great or what? He kept Hannity completely off guard. And that is what you have to do because these guys only work with catchphrases. They only work with, with things that aren't necessary. Even if they're not absolutely false, they're not said in the right context. The way Gavin Newsom handled Hannity is the way every single right winger should be handled because we have to remember, in general, they are wrong. In general, they are lying. In generally, they do not have the facts, logic, or anything else on their side. And you know what is important that that Sean that uh, the Gavin Newsom did, right, Governor Gavin Newsom? Um, he, he pointed out to the, he got a chance to tell the Fox audience, right? Okay, as as Sean is attacking me, 
71 percent of uh, of the gdp comes out of blue states uh all uh, seven out of ten red states are dependent on blue states to survive they take more money out of the federal government than they put in red states don't give the particular services so gavin newsom is right when he says yeah we birthed them and then the selfishness of these capitalist structures says okay now that you birth us now that we've had the the regulatory structure within your state that allowed us to grow into a good corporations now we don't want to pay our fair share of taxes now we don't want to pay it forward we are going to go to texas where the 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 rates for business is small or mississippi or whatever but these states can't birth these particular companies because again it's not there so look i i think as more more progressives learn how to be aggressive in these types of discussions that is what moved things forward. 713-526-5738. Again, the number is 713-526-5738. Love to hear from you. 713-526-5738. You know, uh, the Attorney General, uh, yeah, um, and anyone who can call and discuss the subject if you want, but I want to move on to the, the Attorney General, what he had to say about Trump. And this one is for my right-wing listeners who still attempt or try to believe in Trump. We have to remember that A.G. Barr, Attorney General Barr, was the person who came out immediately after the Russia Gate thing came, the, the, the results of the Russia Gate came out. And he lied. the initial piece that he said was a lie about what the report actually said, was there really Russian collusion? Absolutely. Read the entire document, not the summary, right? I didn't read the entire document either, but I read the portions that gave that information. And so, yes, but Barr was one of the biggest defenders of Trump. You always ask, why, why, why? He did. He defended Trump. But check out what he's saying now. Check this out. Bill Barr, the AG, uh, the attorney general for Donald Trump and Mark Espy, his uh, defense secretary. They came out on the attack. And the question is, these guys are fearful that just maybe uh, this guy could win again. Otherwise, this concerted effort to really bring this guy down would not have been realized. But they're doing so far. A great job. Where the hell have they been before? This stuff is stuff that's been known from this guy, from before this guy ever came into power in 2016. But just now, the Republican parties of B have noticed that, well, this guy wasn't only a distraction. He could actually cause damage. Check this out and then we'll take it on the other side. This is not a circumstance where he's the victim or this is government overreach. Uh, He provoked this whole problem himself. Yes, he's been the victim of unfair witch hunts in the past, but that doesn't obviate the fact that he's also a fundamentally flawed person who engages in reckless conduct and that leads to situations, calamitous situations like this, uh, which are very destructive and hurt any political cause he's associated with. And this was a case that entirely of his own making. 
How strong is the special counsel's case on obstruction specifically? Well, it's very strong because a lot of the evidence comes from his own lawyers. And furthermore, there's evidence of him saying things that are completely incompatible with any idea that this was an innocent document dispute. Do you believe he lied to the Justice Department? Do I personally believe it? Yes, I do. The legal theory by which he gets to take battle plans and, and sensitive national security information as his personal papers is absurd. It's just as wacky as the legal doctrine they came up with for, you know, having the vice president unilaterally determine who won the election. As, you know, has many good qualities and he accomplished some good things. But the fact of the matter is, uh, he is a consummate narcissist and he constantly engages in reckless conduct that that puts uh, his political followers at risk and, and, and the conservative and Republican agenda at risk. He will always put his own interests and gratifying his own ego ahead of everything else, including the country's interests. There's no question about it. This is a perfect example of that. He's like, you know, he's like a nine-year-old, a defiant nine-year-old kid who's always pushing the glass toward the edge of the table, defying his parents to stop him from doing it. It's a means of self-assertion and exerting his dominance over other people. And he's, he's a very petty individual who will always put his interests ahead of the country's, his personal gratification of his, you know, of his ego. Go. But our country, our country can't, you know, can't be a therapy session for, you know, a troubled man like this. You work closely with Trump. I've heard two different theories as to why he had these documents. One uh, from Stephanie Grisham, who said um, he just likes, you know, these are mine. And he's like a child with a toy. And one from Michael Cohen. He said he thought that Trump had these documents because he wanted to use them to further his own power or financial well-being in some way. Why do you think he held on to these documents and went to such lengths uh, to stop them, to prevent them from being turned over to the government? Yeah, look, I think both theories could be true and, and likely are true to some extent. Uh, who knows? People have described him as a hoarder when it comes to these type of documents. But clearly it was unauthorized, illegal and, and dangerous. Based on your experiences working with the Trump and the actions alleged in the indictment, do you think Trump can be trusted with the nation's secrets ever again? Well, based on his actions, again, if proven true uh, under the indictment by the special counsel, no. I mean, it's it's just irresponsible action that places uh, our service members at risk, places our nation's security at risk. You understand the seriousness of this better than than I do. Why is it why is it a risk to the nation's security? to have these documents lying around at Mar-a-Lago? Well, imagine if a foreign agent, uh, another country, were to discover documents that outline America's vulnerabilities or the, the weaknesses of the United States military. Think about how that could be exploited, how that could be used against us in a conflict, uh, how an enemy could develop countermeasures, things like that. Or in the case of uh, the most significant piece that was raised in the allegation about U.S. plans to uh, attack Iran. Uh, think about how that affects our readiness, our ability to prosecute an attack if indeed we know that Iran uh, eventually develops a nuclear weapon and we need to act on it. I mean, those things affect our ability uh, to effectively execute policy and could also affect, uh, again, the, the uh, lives of our military members who are sent forward to do uh, such type of operation. So I'm, I'm quite concerned about this. These are very serious allegations and need to be taken seriously by everybody involved. Once again, where were you, Bill Barr? Where were you, Mark Esper, when it was time to really talk about this guy during his administration to ensure that he got impeached before he could have done the amount of damage that he likely has done to the security of the country? Where were you? Maybe you're making amends right now, but you know what? For what you've done before, 
I tell you what, you still have a whole lot of atonement for this entire country. We spend a yes, lot of- you have a lot of atonement for this entire country. 713-526-5738. Again, that number is 713-526-5738. We are down to our last two and a half minutes or so, folks. 713-526-5738. Uh, the last story we won't get to, so please go ahead and visit uh, politicsdoneright.com slash newsletter. All the stories are in the newsletter, along with the uh, pertinent videos and links. 713-526-5738 is our call to come into the studio. Extension number two, 713-526-5738, extension number two. Uh, to get all the subjects that we were supposed to cover today, visit our newsletter, politicsdoneright.com slash newsletter folks we are coming close to the end of the program as usual i am most grateful for your ears i am most grateful for those who watch the show as well we could not have a program without you all so i urge you those of you who have the wherewithal even though we're not in fun drive right now just visit our site our uh, kpft.org visit kpft.org and if you could be so kind, help keep this particular uh, very important station on the air. Anyway, before we go, uh, any last words from my, my two brothers out there in the control room? Oh, this is a very important radio station, Egberto. You just don't hear the things on commercial radio stations that uh, you'll hear here because you speak the truth. You don't get involved in the convoluted nonsense and st stuff that comes through the radio. You speak the truth. We all speak the truth. We've got great entertainment here on this radio station. Music shows. We've got talk shows. We've got informative shows. We've got entertainment shows. It's the best. And you're one of the best, too. Oh, my. I, you just touched my heart. Anyway, we're getting close, and I see the time on the screen. Uh, folks, thank you so kindly for having been here with us, both watching and listening. I want to thank Jack Van Beber, who's been busy answering the phones and giving us the thought of the day. I want to thank Howard for the, the, the exceptional work that he continues to do. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you guys know how I end this baby. I am what? Out! We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.